Hello and welcome to the e-commerce playbook podcast. My name is Andrew Ferris and I am so glad you've joined me today uh, on another episode of this podcast that chronicles the story in real time of 4x400, the e-commerce holding company that acquires, operates and grows DTC brands. Uh, I am so glad you're with me today, especially because after a couple weeks talking about everything related to the sale of FC goods, if you miss those episodes, go check those out. Uh, we really tried to take you deep into pretty much everything about the journey around FC goods, the first brand that we have sold uh, in 4x400. Um, and, and now we're gonna move back into the world of the rest of our brands that we're currently uh, working on. And this week, if, if I sound different to you, if you're a regular listener and I sound different to you, it's because I am recording this episode on my uh, laptop microphone in the car, in the rented Jeep uh, that I am that my team and I are renting, a couple members of my team and I are renting, uh, in Havelock, North Carolina, uh, where uh, where we are visiting and spending time looking into some things related to our fulfillment center uh, for all of our brands out here. So I'm gonna tell you all about this, all about this trip, why uh, I am here, what we're looking at doing, and uh, my reflections this week, particularly on the concept of margin. Uh, as I get around the actual products that we are um, producing and packing and shipping out here uh, in our facility, um, I have had all kinds of thoughts about the realities of, of margin in our business, gross margin in particular, how I'm thinking about that a little bit differently. I hope this will be some help to you. So like I said, uh, I am I'm uh, in a different location than usual. We, um, uh, I've, you know, like most of us have resisted Resist, resisted most travel for a little while here, but there was some stuff that came up that we just kind of had to do. So um, I am uh, I am out here in North Carolina um, in the town of Havelock. Uh, Havelock is a couple hours outside of Raleigh. Um, and uh, the reason we are in Havelock is because Bamboo Earth, our skincare brand, um, sort of, uh, I guess, was kind of founded here. Actually, now that I think about it, I don't know where it was founded, but Amber Hawthorne, um, who is the founder of, of the brand? Amber uh, lived here, grew up grew up here in Havelock. So it's a small town, about twenty thousand. Um, and and uh, Amber for a long time uh, had uh, has operated parts or all of um, Bamboo Earth uh, out of Havelock. And so we, when we acquired Bamboo Earth, we kind of looked at a lot of different possibilities related to what we would. Um, what we would do with the brand and how we might move it and change our production approach and all those kind of things. And, you know, we thought about working with vendors and trying to buy finished goods and, and so instead of producing it all ourselves. And then we, you know, looked at going to a 3PL and all the kind of normal stuff that we would do with a brand. But instead, we ended up, uh, despite that Bamboo Earth had previously been producing and fulfilling all of its own uh, product out of North Carolina, we instead decided that, like, you know what, we are going to keep going with this. Rob Clemens, our director of supply chain, um, has just decided like, I'm going to, you know, there's problems and, um, there's, there's good things and hard things both about, um, production and fulfillment all on our own. Um, because that's, you know, we really started for over hundred from the perspective of a bunch of marketers. It was, it was people whose skills were in the area around sort of like the front of the front end of the business. Um, uh, you know, at Facebook ads, Google ads, uh, 
conversion rate optimization, all the usual stuff that I'm talking about. Um, so we, we sort of didn't want to get our hands dirty in all of this stuff related to the details of product. But uh, Rob, to his credit, has just continued to solve problem after problem after problem. And what we have really figured out is that along the way, it's actually a big strategic advantage. And um, I got to tell you, the, the first kind of reflection I have about being here, and part of the reason I wanted to record from the road this week, um, is because it has really been, it's my first time actually to our facility out here, um, in part because of the timing related to the pandemic and, and some of those things, but the, the, there's just no substitute um, for getting around um, our product. And, and uh, what I have neglected to say, uh, uh, sorry, is that actually we have, we've decided over time to move more and more of our fulfillment here. So we started doing this with just Bamboo Earth, but kind of developed the skills and the capacity to fulfill product ourselves and thought like, well, why don't we fulfill all of our product here? So while we still, um, we don't quite fulfill all of our products here, but we do fulfill um, all three of our newer brands here as well as Bamboo Earth. And uh, and we we didn't ever fulfill FC Goods out of here and we don't fulfill Slick out of here right now. But yeah, but that, that's been the problem. And, or that's, that's been the way that things have gone because now we have, you know, actually developed capabilities around warehousing and fulfillment and all those kinds of things. So part of the reason I'm out here actually is because as we have grown over the last little while, we're looking at new facilities and expanding our warehousing and, and um, you know, adding a bunch of space and potentially some employees uh, would come with that over time as we keep growing into that space. So, so yeah, so, um, so I'm, you know, looking at buildings and talking to people and, and it's just been fascinating. Um, before I get to too much talk about margin, one thing I want to mention here is just, it has been incredibly valuable to me. Um, and again, part of the reason I, I, I did this on the road is because I wanted to kind of record in real time, just how valuable it has been to me to spend some time with people um, who are on this side of the business. I spend most of my time with sort of the marketing team, basically marketing and accounting and, and, and all of that. And, and certainly with Rob, um, as, as he leads supply chain, but, um, you know, he's the one who's interfacing mostly with this, this group of employees and, and all that. Um, and, and if, you know, for some of you who are listening, if you're fulfilling product yourself, maybe, you know, the operation's small enough to where that, that fulfillment team, quote unquote, is, is really just a, a couple people. Um, or maybe you're not working remote. So you're, you're in and around your warehouse all the time and, and all that. But I, I, I bet I'm not alone in that I haven't actually spent much time with our people on this side of our business because of the pandemic and because we work fully remote on our team. So I'm out in California and my team's out here in North Carolina. So it's a long trip to get here. Um, it's just been incredibly valuable to me. These employees are just killers. They are so good. Uh, they work hard. They care about it a lot. They care about the brands a lot. They care about the product a lot. Um, and you know, that's, this is not news to me. Like I've, I've heard the, um, the, the tales of their greatness, uh, told by Rob and, and others. And I've certainly interfaced and interacted with them some in the past, but it has just been so cool to like, get to know some members of this team a little bit more and see the ways in which, uh, all ages and life stages, people are, um, finding really good, um, quality work, being able to invest in creating culture in a, um, out here, um, as well as with the kind of like marketing team type people who are, you know, on my weekly zoom call and all that. Um, it's, it's just quite a thing to see they are, um, high quality employees who are working hard and care a lot. And, um, it's just been a real, I mean, a real pleasure to, to get to know 
some of these people in uh, in ways that I just don't normally get the chance to because of, like I said, you know, I don't, I can't just walk back from my office to the warehouse anytime and get to know them. So, um, <clears throat> it's it's stirred all kinds of reflections for me about what it means to be a leader and what it means to care for all my employees and and all of that. But I also think that it, um, on top of that, it um, has stirred a lot of reflections to me about this whole side of our business, and this is kind of the main thing that I wanted to get at today. And and then this is the concept. It's that your margin is fake. <laughs> your margin as a concept uh, is not real. And what I mean, of course, that's that's not true, <laughs> right? But like what I mean by that is that we, I have often found that talking about gross margin with people, for some reason, while, while e-commerce people, I think especially people who come into it with this real marketing focus, um, E-commerce people are willing to change and test and try a million different things on the website end of things. We People will try new Facebook ads, great, no problem. Throw the new creative at it. New copy, great, no problem. If you can find some ways to split test it, we'll, we'll use Google Optimize and split test pages on our website and we'll try upsell apps and we'll, you know, a million, like just we're willing to test email automations and and split testing this and that. We're willing to test and try and change all of these things in the front end of our business. But for some reason, and I don't think this is just me, people don't think of this side of their business as being just as testable and changeable as anything else. When you think about the gross margin in your business, it is a massive factor in your overall success. And I'm using the term gross margin. I should define that. And and what I should actually make a point of saying here is um, that... uh, I'm really thinking of cost of delivery as a whole. If you just think of that sort of four quarter four quarter accounting, this is one of your buckets, um, one of your quarters of your accounting, right? So four quarter accounting would be um, your CAC, your cost of delivery, your OPEX, and your profit. Those those would be your four quarters basically. Um, and the goal would be to get as uh, you know as a as a sort of heuristic would be to get all four of them representing about twenty five percent of your business. And obviously twenty five percent profit would be excellent in a business like this, um, but. Uh, and it doesn't always work that way for all of our businesses, but that basic concept, right? So cost of delivery is this whole side of business. Well, cost of delivery includes everything related to um, the gross margin itself, like COGS in a, in a pure sense of it, but also, of course, like all of these other fees related to getting the product to somebody, which includes um, pick and pack and software related to um, to your fulfillment side of your business. And, and if you're fulfilling yourself, then it could be machines and it could be, um, rent and it could be there's all of these elements of that go into essentially you know especially if you're you know fulfillment center you might put rent and opex but anyway the point being um, you know and of course the actual shipping cost itself there's all of these elements of that go into that side of your unit economics the whole cost of delivery and what I think happens a lot of the time is that entrepreneurs sort of think of the cost of delivery or the gross margin. Um, as something that is stuck. I'll ask somebody, what is, I remember when I was on the agency side of our business, I would ask entrepreneurs, what's your, what's your gross margin? And they would give me a number. And that would be the end of the conversation. Oh, it's 70%. Okay, great. So that helps me determine my, you know, Facebook ad target or, or whatever, my ROAS target based on how much margin I have. And this is a classic thing, right? Your variable costs against your fixed costs. If you, um, if, you know, if you've got rent, that's a fixed cost. Your variable costs would be things like, uh, actual gross margin that are going to be variable and, and oftentimes sort of, you know, if I'm doing a million dollars in revenue or $500,000 in revenue, notwithstanding some new, some 
um, or $10 million in revenue, notwithstanding some economies of scale you can get by ordering in larger quantities and all that kind of stuff, your um, your unit economics can often feel like they are stuck. That your variable costs are kind of a percentage that always goes with every order, and that's that. But what I think people fail to realize is that that number is totally malleable. <laughs> um, and it's all just a series of trade-offs and testing. So l- let me give you a few examples of what I mean. Like, as I'm working with my fulfillment team out here, one of the things we're talking about is my pick and pack fees. Now, if you're working with a 3PL, uh, this might be something you negotiate or you maybe use this as a way of evaluating potential 3PLs. Uh, 3PL, if you don't know, third-party logistics, like if you're having uh, a different company ship your products is what I mean, instead of shipping it yourself. Uh, if you are working with a 3PL as a vendor, you know they're going to charge you a pick and pack fee. Um, and there's multiple ways you could work on that. Like, for example, if you can pre-kit from your manufacturer and... Um, bundles that you are selling, right? Then instead of having, um, uh, like this is an example, slick products, slick, we sell, we sell these bundles, right? Like a, like an off-road wash bundle. Okay. So that includes a wash, uh, a cleaner degreaser, a shine and a foam cannon. Well, right now, the way that those all, um, those all get shipped from our 3PL is that, um, we pay an initial pick fee, um, a fulfillment fee basically on every order, but then what happens is an employee at our 3PL goes and um, instead of grabbing one off-road wash bundle box that's pre-kitted, what we do is they grab each individual bottle off the shelves and they make the box there, okay? Um, and so each time they grab something off the shelf, right? And this is probably not news to you, but that's a pick. And that means you have to pay for each one of those picks. And that means that that is a cost that goes up if you do that. Well. So perhaps one thing you could do as a way to save some money would be to work with the manufacturer to order pre-kitted bundles um, and and boxes and get those sent over. And so you could reduce the cost of a pick. Now, that means you have to inventory plan better for bundles. And like one advantage to having each individual bottle instead of pre-kitting um, would be uh, would be that you don't have to you don't have to plan your inventory as carefully because. Uh, you know, you can, if you suddenly sell a lot more of this bundle than that bottle, then you're not stuck with all these pre-kitted bundles. You know, you can, you can just like make as many as you need from the bottles. Uh, and so, yeah, there's trade-offs. This is what I'm saying. There's trade-offs for all of these sorts of things, right? And and for us, you know, we're looking at like fulfillment costs in general. Well, if you can organize your warehouse more effectively, if you can make it flow faster then you can uh, make it so that your employees, if you have, you know, machines that make things faster, um, you know, your labeling machines and, and, all kinds of stuff like that. I mean, there's a million different examples of this, of ways that you can actually add logistical efficiencies. This is, of course, part of why Amazon is such a good business, is that they have solved logistical efficiencies in this incredible way. So they, they are able to move tons and tons, store and move tons and tons of product incredibly fast um, and incredibly efficiently. Well, the more efficiently you can operate your warehouse, what's that going to do? It's going to reduce the cost of your fulfillment. And so that's another, that's an area you can address to just get pure margin back in your business. And of course, shipping, like one thing we were looking at is, um, you know, we moved slick. I mentioned before to being bi-coastal. Now that's with a three PL, but slick now is shipping out of both coasts because shipping heavy bottles of liquid from California, where our three PL has been for most of its existence to Florida is really, really expensive. And so now by having, um, bi-coastal fulfillment, we can um, ship uh, not as far with with a, a large portion of our orders, and that saves us some money on our shipping, gets gets the order to the customer faster, and that's good too. Um, so 
those are areas where you can do things better. How, how you um, hire in a place like this certainly matters in terms of how many employees and are you going to have people twiddling their thumbs because you overhired? Are you going to have orders getting out slowly and people tired and, and overworked and, um, and all those things because orders are, are, or because there's, you've underhired for those positions. Um, one thing we do with Bamboo Earth is that we pre-kit all of our, um, a lot of our bundles. So, uh, at, at the facility. So it's sort of in between what I was saying about Slick earlier. Um, after we've fulfilled a bunch of orders for the day, we create a bunch of boxes and, um, and start, and start pre-kitting bundles the night before the next day's orders go out. And that allows us to move really, really fast instead of trying to put together each order one at a time in real time with each order. So one one employee can go make bundles and then the other employee can fulfill those and et cetera. And, and to be honest with you, like there's some of the details of how exactly we do these things that I'm still learning. It's not the side of the business that I spend most of my time trying to optimize, but these are all the elements. And, and again, if you spent any time around warehouses, you know that warehouse, good warehouse managers and um, and supply chain people on this side of the business are thinking about all of these elements of how to get margin back. Um, but there's real problem. What I'm saying is there's real problem solving to be done on this side of the business that if you can think well about it, it is massively influential on your overall outcomes. We think there's a few things we can do to get one of our businesses to save 10%, uh, 10 points, excuse me, on its cost of delivery with a few moves related to how we do this. It's going to be a big project. Like you don't just get 10 points of margin back overnight. Um, but we're realizing if we effort towards making this part of our business better and more efficient, we can do that. Uh, Slick is a great example. One thing we're considering doing is working with manufacturers, both in California and on the East coast to produce the same product, even though they're different manufacturers, and then send, have those manufacturers ship product to fulfillment centers in both places so that my manufacturer isn't sending product from the East Coast all the way to California or from California all the way to the East Coast. Now, it's cheaper to ship in bulk from a manufacturer, ship pallet loads from manufacturers um, to my fulfillment center, right? Or to a 3PL. It's cheaper to do that than, um, than to, to, to do that if those were individual orders. But we've thought to ourselves, it would be even cheaper still if we never had to make that cross-country journey, ever. If we just got manufacturers for our liquid bottles, um, which are in manufactured in the U.S. Um, on each coast, then they could ship to our fulfillment centers on that same coast, and it would cut off. It would make it so that our uh, freight from the manufacturer to the fulfillment center is drastically reduced. That's more margin back. Okay, um, so uh, so I could just go on and on and on. And let me let me give you one more, one more that I think is the most under-tested area in e-commerce that I'm just starting to get much more aggressive about. I mentioned this um, in the FC Goods episode. Uh, in fact, both the last two episodes, we've talked about this, um, both my interview with the team that bought FC Goods, as well as mine and Aaron and Taylor's conversation about our side of why we sold FC Goods, okay? Um, and it's this, price. One way to get more margin is to raise the price. <laughs> like, we experienced this with Slick, and it worked great. There was no effect on sales previously. Well, I mean, we're looking at this with our new brands. Genuine Canine, just yesterday, our uh, leather collar brand, okay? We decided just yesterday to add $20 to the price like just boom, overnight, just did it. Um, I think this is gonna be a net win in a lot of different ways, including I think it's gonna really help us um, uh, actually present more perceived value to the customer. I think our customer is going to experience the product as more valuable because we have added to the price. Um, and we are trying to be a premium brand here. Our modern fuel pricing, I think, doesn't necessarily make great sense. We have 
Um, three products that we sell for $150, one for $200 um, for our pens, same with our pencils, and it varies a little bit depending on metals, but why don't we spread that out? What if we went you know, stainless steel, $150, copper, $200, bronze, $250, titanium, $300? Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know if that would work better or not, but it would certainly get more margin. And and if it actually moves people towards different different versions of our pen or pencil, um, that would be great. What about, this is another thing I've talked about recently. What about which products you sell? Um, if I focus my marketing uh, efforts on higher margin products, I will raise my total gross margin in my business. Um, just, by, just by making a point of analyzing my products um, according to which ones have the highest margin, and then doing everything I can to make that my go-to product in an upsell, as long as it's a good product for the customer. And, and they all are. We make sure that our products are good. Um, make that my go-to product for an upsell. Make that my default option on PDPs and collection pages. Organize my collection pages so that my highest margin products are the first things that you see. Um, you know, there's a million things like that. If I'm going to do any discounting, discount off my highest margin or bundle according to, to margin, right? Make sure that I'm being conscious of shipping costs relative to the size of the order and give bigger discounts on higher AOV things, which gets you margin back. There are a million different ways to do this. And, and really all I'm saying here is that you are not stuck with your margin. That's what I'm saying. It's tempting to think you are stuck with your margin. What I'm saying is your margin is a problem to be solved just like anything else. And it's a massively important one. And when you get out and around your product and around the size of the uh, around this whole side of the business, my guess is your brain will go nuts um, on thinking about all of the different elements that are go into um, creating a product and then getting it to a customer. And if you can think through all of that element and then to go think through the marketing side as well, you can really get a lot of margin back and that will be pure profit to your bottom line, which obviously is going to help make your business better in a clear way. <laughs> Don't need to explain that. Um, so that's the big reflection for me as I'm on the road this week. That I have a lot more to say about employee care and some of the things that we're thinking about doing here um, as well to, to really make this an awesome experience for the people who work for us and for the team members who are just such a crucial part of our business. Getting products out quickly to customers um, working hard to make that happen and dealing with the strange volatility of businesses that are growing and changing in size all the time. Um, I mean, these people are so good at adjusting to that as this business doubles in size and then this one gets smaller and that, you know what, it, like it just, that is constantly happening in e-commerce. Um, and these employees are, are bobbing and weaving with all of that in a way that I just appreciate so much and, uh, and working really hard to, to do their part to, um, help us make this thing operate. Um, so I have a lot more to say about that, a lot of reflections around that too, but the big thing that was popping out to me sort of on the overall strategy approach is this question of margin and thinking, what can I do to get more margin? Um, and what are the trade-offs involved with each one of those things? Really try to solve that problem, really try to make that um, a place where we can be better, more efficient, more effective. I think there's a lot of value to be gained in the business by doing that. So there you have it, little real-time reflection from the road of the, of Parts of the business that I feel like I spend less time on, but that are so crucial um, and uh, just really has been something. Get get amongst parts of the business. Maybe that's the real takeaway here is to go go be among parts of your business that you normally aren't spending time in and uh, and see what you can pick up there. I think there's, there's just lots to learn and lots to solve and um, lots to work through. Uh, I hope this has been helpful to you as always. If it has, we'd love it if you would rate and review and uh, and uh, leave us that. And you can also, of course, always reach out at Andrew J. Ferris on Twitter. And uh, you can email me at podcast at 4x400.com. If you uh, want to 
have me address anything or answer any questions or make any comments or anything like that. Um, and I would love to, to take a crack at that. So, um, so please send those thoughts there and uh, I will do my best to respond as quickly as possible and, and to do what I can to be some help. So thanks again for listening as always, and we will see you next week.